Towing a trailer, fifth wheel, or dinghy can be exhausting and frustrating. Stay tuned for tips from a professional semi-truck driver. Welcome to RV Out West. I'm your host, Brooks. My family of four's base camp is located in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and our RV adventures radiate out from there. Please, grab a mug of coffee and join us as we discuss RVing around the American West. From sweet camping spots, gear and equipment, to tips and tricks, we've got you covered. We are RV Out West. Towing can put your nerves on edge, especially if you are driving in not the most ideal conditions. The crosswinds of the Columbia River, the two-lane terrain of the Cascade Mountains, for example, can be a few spots here in Washington State that you just may white-knuckle it. Whether you're new to towing or an experienced driver, we've got some tips for you. Joining us today is Darlene. She's an old friend from high school who is a professional semi-truck driver and has been towing RVs and horse trailers for most of her driving years. Darlene, thank you so much for joining us here on RV Out West. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about from your experience as a professional driver, road courtesies, rules of the road, things to be aware of, how to be safe on the road. So can you kind of share with us a little bit about your professional driving career? And then we'll just kind of go from there. Okay. Um, I've towed things my whole life, you know, from horse trailers back when we were younger to travel trailers to any kind of trailer there is. The last two years, though, I've been hauling hazmat uh, items. So I haul fuel to gas stations and such out here in the mountainous Arizona region. From your experience, what are some tips new and or experienced RVers should be aware of? Sure. There's been several times where I've seen people hauling their RV trailers with a vehicle that's just not qualified or equipped. Um, I've seen accidents where the trailer is just too big for the vehicle and it's caused rollovers. I mean, that's probably the number one thing. Just make sure that what you're towing with is adequate to haul the weight. And remembering that the weight, once the trailer's loaded and full of water and all of your things, it's a lot heavier than it is empty. So when you first, let's say, connect your truck to a trailer, what kind of things do you check? Like, what's your pre-flight? Um, one of the things that I see a lot of, too, is is the lights. Okay, making sure that when you've plugged your trailer in, that you have someone else with you, or even if you do it yourself, make sure all of your lights work. To be on the road without your trailer lights working, you know, no blinkers, no brake lights, whatever, that is a huge, huge hazard. Also making sure that you're completely connected, the trailer to the truck, whether it's a bumper pole or a fifth wheel. My husband and I, we currently have a fifth wheel uh, travel trailer and making sure that that ball is completely latched and solid in that hitch in the back of the truck is huge. Okay. Can you explain kind of the difference between what tail swing is and what off tracking is? And then how does a driver kind of account for both of those two situations to be safe? Sure. Well, the tail swing is basically just what it sounds like. And when you're towing, it's so different. Because you you have to accommodate for that space that your trailer is going to take up. When you're just in a car, you can whip around a corner and it's no big deal. You don't have to worry about it. But I see it here at the park, that the RV park that we're currently in, is people will go around a corner and they're inches from that light pole. 
you have to constantly be aware whether you're just driving down the road, which goes into that off tracking or when you're turning into a gas station or turning at all for that matter, just making sure that you can see your trailer in your mirrors, you know, adjusting those, making sure you can see. And if you can't see the back of your trailer with your regular mirrors, they have those extendo mirrors that you can put on there to put them out a little bit further. And that that's very helpful. You know, a lot of times if you're towing with a car or an SUV type thing, those extendo mirrors really make a difference. Um, and as far as the off-tracking goes, it, it you know, that part comes into play a lot more with the bumper pull trailers where they're attached, you know, a, to the bumper of your vehicle as opposed to in the bed of your truck, you know, fifth wheel versus the bumper pull. Um, especially when you're driving down a, a major highway, you'll see those those ruts that are in the roads. That will cause so much sway in your vehicle if it's possible if you're on a road where that's going on, you're, it's okay to change lanes and be in a completely different lane so you're not dealing with that flight so much because that will definitely throw not only your trailer around, but if you're towing with a smaller truck or vehicle, it, it will literally throw you into another lane. That's interesting. Let's, I'm curious about drive time. So I've read that like in the world of RVing, they have this like three, three, three rule where it's like, don't drive more than 300 miles, arrive by three and stay three days. I'm not a retiree. I don't have that kind of <laughs> luxury necessarily. What can you share about that? When you're, you know, if, you, if it's private, if you're hauling something privately, like it's your own trailer, you know, you can drive as far as you want when you're doing it professionally. I mean, that's, we have a maximum of, of 12 hours being on the road. And so for myself, driving 500 plus miles in one day is no big deal. But when you're just, you know, the average person, RV or recreational person, you can feel it when you start getting tired. You know, your eyes get kind of burny and having to be aware so much of your space your spatial awareness of what where your vehicle is and what's around it. If it's not something you're doing consistently, it's going to wear on you faster. And if you start getting tired, you're going to not be as alert to the things going on around you. Um, that's what I find a lot of times too, is just people in just cars by themselves are so distracted, being on their phones, not paying attention to what's going on around them. That if you're not driving, watching other people, then there's going to be bad things that happen. Kind of piggybacking off that, what have you witnessed on the road that, say, a non-pro driver towing did that made you cringe? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So many. Probably the biggest thing for me, we live in the mountains. I drive up and down every day. And that's kind of where it comes back to having a vehicle that is capable and heavy enough to tow your trailer. And so I've seen vehicles flipped over on the mountain passes because the vehicle that is towing the trailer is not heavy duty enough. If you're traversing mountain roads, corners, curves, and then throw in the weather on top of it, just slow down, take your time. And if there's cars passing you like crazy, just throw on your four ways and just take it slow. 
It is better to make it to the end of your trip safe and alive. It makes a huge difference between catastrophe and a great vacation. What other things have you seen on the road? Okay, so in (laughs) changing lanes, when you're in a car versus when you're towing a trailer, you have to remember that that trailer adds so much length to the back of your vehicle. You have to constantly keep it in your mind that it's there and that you have to allow for that extra space. I've seen trailers, even just RV travel trailers, pushing other cars off the highway, slamming into other cars, having accidents because they don't allow for that extra space. When you're driving a semi and you're changing lanes or a car is changing lanes in front of you, people forget that it takes so much more room to stop in when you're towing something, whether it's an 18-wheeler, whether it's an RV, the stopping distance gets bigger and bigger the bigger your trailer is. You can't just stop like you do in a, a little sports car. So just it goes back to the spatial awareness, being aware of where your vehicle and your trailer are compared to everyone else. Since I've started towing, I have so much mad respect for professional drivers behind a semi-truck because I now leave so much room in front of me and then people whip in front of me and I'm like, look, I wasn't creating that space for you. I'm creating it so I don't hit the car already in front of me if I need to slam on my brakes or do whatever. It's crazy. And people just oblivious. It's crazy. Yes. I'm in the slow lane. I'm leaving a lot of room. You don't need to dart in front of me. Like, it's crazy. They they do it all the time. Yeah, all no, time. I know. And I probably was one of those guys who did it all the time <laughs> before I towed. And now I'm like, whoa. Another thing, too, is, is there are ways to communicate with other drivers. Not all the drivers understand that. Drivers in cars or just what us as truck drivers call four-wheelers. You know, vehicles yep. with four tires as opposed to 16 or 18. There's ways to communicate. Flashing your lights. If there's, you know, a trailer passing you, whether you're in a car or a truck, if you're on a, a, like a two lane highway or someone's trying to pass you, if you just flash your brights really quick, that, uh, that communicates to that other vehicle that yes, it's safe for you to move over now. There's enough room between you and I. And then you flash your floor away flash as a thank you. Yes. (laughs) But again, like so many people that don't haul trailers, they don't know that. So if you're going to be an official RV person and haul your trailer around, the ways to communicate your intentions with other vehicles, it'll really make a difference. It will keep you a lot safer if you're aware of those, you know, those little signals. Are there other signals besides the high beam and the flashers as the thank you? Just communicating your intention. When you go to use your blinker, Turn it on way ahead of time. Leave it on. It still lets the people around you know that you're moving over or changing lanes or turning. Has there been a time where you've got caught in a storm? And if so, how did you navigate that safely? Okay, so I have a perfect example. My husband and I went to Moab for Christmas with my family, and we had a great time. It was wonderful. Weather was, you know, pretty good. But when we left, we were coming back through Flagstaff. The snow was ridiculous. There was so much snow. Um, They actually ended up closing the highway 
There were cars spun out all over the road, semis in the ditches, cars in the ditches. I mean, being from the Northwest, I know how to drive in the snow, the, you know, adverse conditions. I was terrified. I was terrified. So thankfully, my husband was driving um, and he's lived in Flagstaff his whole life. But the thing that he kept saying over and over, I, I wouldn't look out the window at all <laughs> um it's just slow and steady you know driving a fifth wheel or a trailer of any sort in the snow up and down a mountain it's a scary thing if i had been driving i would have pulled over and stayed in a hotel or just not even tried it because it's just not worth it if the conditions are very severe and adverse just pull over and wait for it to pass but if you feel that you have the gumption and the nerves of steel to make it through, just slow and steady is what's going to really get you through that. Um, keeping the traction a constant slow speed, it'll get you through it. Okay. I want to talk backing up. <laughs> but what tips, suggestions, advice do you have for people backing up or learning to back up? Little movements. Okay, not cranking the wheel in what direction you want it to go or the opposite. Little turns, okay, especially with the longer your trailers, little turns, let it go a little bit with that little turn if you need to adjust more, a little bit. You know, you see people, <laughs> you see people all the time um, just cranking their steering wheel to try and get their trailer to go where they want it to. And it just, creates havoc. When I first started driving semis, I was terrified to back it up. Now, oh my goodness, it's the easiest thing ever. You know, you just, you are comfortable in knowing what turns will put your trailer where you want it. And if you have the opportunity, I know sometimes pulling into RV parks, spots are tiny, close together, and hard to get into. If you have the opportunity to pull straight to get your truck and your trailer straight and just back straight into a spot, that's fantastic. You know, that makes it easier for everyone. But in those tight spaces, if you've got someone traveling with you, have them get out and be your spotter. Because when you have a trailer and you're backing up, you can't see both sides when you're turning. So if you have someone with you that can jump out of the vehicle and communicate, hey, go this way, go that way, that will help eliminate a lot of the contact points. Let me ask you this, on the communication front, because that's a great point, what's kind of a standard line of communication? There's lots of different variables and options that I've seen people use. In some of the RV parks that we've stayed, I've seen people with uh, like little walkie-talkies to communicate that way so they're not screaming from the back of the trailer to the person driving. That I thought was a great thing. But I do suggest communicating with your person that's going to be your spotter, having the driver and the spotter communicate and come up with signals that work for them ahead of time before they ever even go out on the road. Like bicycle hand signals, you know, the ones you use for riding a bike. And whatever your signals are, communicate those with your spotter, like I said, before you ever even get on the, out on the road. I've also seen people in the park, <laughs> that they'll just stand there and they're like screaming. 
the person in the back that's being the spotter and the person that's driving, they're screaming these things. And all it does is make the driver more freaked out. So communicating and figuring out what your hand signals are going to be before you start that process makes it that much easier. And you also want to, one thing you want to make sure is that the driver can always see you. I've found in all of my backing up, whether it's, you know, commercial trailers, personal trailers, being in the driver's side mirror is the easiest way to communicate. Making sure that the person who's driving can see you at all times. And that might mean having to run over to the other side of the trailer and getting in that other side mirror. It just, you have to be adaptable to the situation, but making sure that the driver can see you as well as hear you. That's helpful. I want to talk about truck stops or are they called travel centers? I'm, I'm not sure these days. I still call them truck stops. I have a weird fascination with truck stops. I just love them. I think they're awesome. And this summer when we drove across country, I started filling up on the professional side. What can you tell me about like social norms? I want to be mindful that they're all working and I don't want to be in the way and affect their day. But if you have any suggestions and tips and tricks for that. The fact that you even think about that speaks volumes as to your RVing style. Um, there's semi-trucks that don't even think about that and just take up all the space all the time with no concern for anyone else. So that's kudos to you, big kudos, um, that you are even thinking about that. A lot of people just, they do what they're going to do and have no concern for anyone else. We have a, a Love's truck stop, I don't know, 20 miles from our house. And I literally saw an RV pulling a, a vehicle behind it, parked in the drive through restaurant of that Love's truck stop, like overnight parking right in the drive through just completely oblivious oblivious to everything around them and how much they were actually messing up the flow. Well, and that's the one thing about truck stops. They don't really have a clear designation for where those kind of recreational towers can park, right? You have where the semis go and can back in. And I feel that's intimidating when I go to back into one of those spots. I'm like, <laughs> am I taking a spot from somebody else? I'm not as skilled as backing. Are you guys all just chuckling at this guy? Whatever which is fine, you know, but I can't really park where cars park or I'm taking up 10 parking spots because I'm parking, you know, lengthwise. So it's really, I want to be courteous. Yes. Um, now it's kind of changed over the last couple of years in those truck stops where trucks have backed into those spots for the night. Those now seem to be a parking space for recreational vehicles. I see more and more of them parking in those spots. Now, according to, you know, and again, it's going to depend a lot on where exactly in the state you are or what state you're in. The rules are going to be different in every place. So, but it seems to be the norm now that RV vehicles park in those truck stop spaces. And whether you're... <laughs> You talked about the giggling, you know, drivers watching you. Um, I remember the first time I parked a semi in one of those tight spots in a truck stop. 
I must have pulled forward and backed up at least two dozen times. And I knew that everyone around me was watching me. But you just got to let that part go. You got to do you and get it in there without hitting anything. Now, as a, a professional truck driver, I I frown at RV people that park in the truck stops, in my personal opinion, just because there's so few places nowadays for semi-tractor trailers to park in overnight for overnight situations. When my husband and I, when we actually RV, we make our stops in rest areas, get out, stretch our legs, you know, get some fresh air, um, get drinks or, you know, whatever. We do that in rest areas. When we go to a truck stop, when you pull up to that rest, that truck stop fuel pump, you need to get your fuel and move along. If you want to go in and go to the bathroom, get snacks, whatever, don't do it while your vehicle is waiting at the fuel island. That's probably the most frustrating part is when you pull in to get fuel and you see a vehicle, all the spaces are full at the fuel islands and there's no one to be seen anywhere. And you have to sit there and wait for those people to get back in their vehicles. So when you pull up to the fuel islands, even if you have to go inside, pump your fuel and then move your vehicle to maybe alongside the curb in the outer areas. It doesn't necessarily have to be in a parking spot per se. Just out of the way. We are about to wrap it up quick, real quick. Are you a loves or a pilot? Oh, loves all the way. Boom. <laughs> Is there anything that I didn't touch on that you want to mention rather briefly? Um, Kind of back to the truck stop thing. You know, you say that you're using the commercial side. Of the truck stops or rest, yeah, of the truck stops. There is actually, be careful with those because a lot of times there is a, a tax, an extra tax that's added to the price of the fuel when you pump tractor fuel. I mean, diesel's diesel, where they have a section specifically for RVs. Okay. I'll keep an eye out for those. Yeah. Otherwise, you're paying more for fuel than what you really should be. Just kind of some final notes. Make sure your lights are on. Use your blinkers. And please stay off your cell phones while you're driving. Well, Darlene, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us about what it means to be a professional driver and how uh, your tips for driving on the highway to keep everybody safe. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for letting me actually voice some of the concerns. Thank you so much for listening. To help the show grow, please share with your RVing friends and family about this podcast. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like me to discuss, please contact me via rvoutwest.com. A few weeks ago, I pushed out on Facebook a question. If you could ask Washington State Parks anything, what would it be? Well, you guys responded. In our next full episode show in two weeks, I chat with them and I ask them your questions. I'm looking forward to sharing our conversation with you, so be sure to tune in when it drops. Now, get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon. Thanks so much for listening to RV Out West. Join us again in two weeks with our next episode. Please like and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you choose to get your podcast so you never miss an episode. And I sure would appreciate if you left a rating or a review of the show. Special thanks to Scott Holmes Music for providing the intro song, We Are One. 
RV Out West can be found on Instagram and Facebook, where you can interact with us and follow along on our RV adventures around the Pacific Northwest. So get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon.